0: Welcome
1: back to the show. We're thrilled to have Jack Hayes, Athletic Director of Brown University, Omaha, to talk lacrosse. Jack has never been able to get away from Rhode Island in his life. A native of Providence and a graduate from Providence State School for all the multi-sport junkies out there. He was a three-sport athlete, football, basketball, lacrosse. He then went on to graduate from Providence College in 1989, where, yes, he was a three-year starter at Longstick Mid for the Friars. As an athletic director, he's held positions at Fairfield, St. John's, Fordham, and UConn. He served as athletic director at Hofstra for eight years before being named Brown University AD in 2012. Since arriving at Brown, Jack has been kicking ass and taking names, tapping 38 varsity sports, second most in the nation, 150 coaches and administrators, and 900 student athletes. He's been vital to the growth of the athletic facilities, specifically benefiting the men's in women's across programs. Look, this guy's the head of an athletic department of one of the most prestigious institutions in the world and his resume is ridiculous. But let's not kid ourselves here. He's on the to top across. So thanks so much for taking the time to join our aggressive little podcast, Jack. Thanks so much.
2: Andy and Ryan, thanks for having me. Thanks for reading my uh, parent the bio my parents must have put together for you. <laughs>
1: Uh, I love great. it, Jack. I love it. Well, we're uh, we're really pumped to have you. Uh, let's just get right into it. You know what was? I was up there for the Brown Yale game about a month ago, and frankly, I have never seen Stevenson Field. Uh, now, Peninsfield. Field is that how you say it? Stevenson
2: Pennins Field. Yep.
1: Yeah, Stevenson Pennins Field. Uh, like that. I've never seen anything like that. Can you describe what the scene was like this weekend? when Brown was hosting Johns Hopkins in the yeah, it, first round of the NCAA. It was very
2: similar. It was very similar to the Yale day uh, in terms of uh, uh, the size of the crowd, the activity in the parking lot before the game. And, uh, you know, we were we were fortunate that, we had great weather. Uh, we had a, was so much interest in, in the team throughout the last few uh, months. And, and then if you're going to host a home game where you want to get a lot of people there and you want to try to attract the uh, the new fan or the casual fan, you know, Johns Hopkins is probably the school you need to do that. And, right. uh, and so I, I think much like – uh, the Yale game where it was spring weekend, we had the number one team in the country coming in. We, we had a lot of stars aligned for this past Saturday as well. Right, right. Now, look, let me
1: ask, how many, uh, what's the uh, capacity at uh, SP Field?
2: It, it is, uh, the, the number is 3,200, and so we, we had 3,200 there. For the Yale game, I want to say it was 3,430 because we just had so many more uh, standing room uh, areas where we had folks in there. Uh, but, you know, I, I went online last night to look, and only the Syracuse-Albany and N- Yale-Navy games drew better than our game did out of the eight
1: first-round games. Got it, got it. So I I would imagine that, obviously, this coming weekend's games are going to be moved to the football stadium, is that correct? This weekend is moved to
2: the football stadium. When we submitted the bid and put the bid in in 2013, uh, uh, there's a financial component to that bid that, you know, really translates to how many seats do you have. And we would never have received that bid if we held it here. Now, the difference also is with the numbers that, you know, we had a week to plan for hosting the game against Johns Hopkins, where we've had two years to plan uh, for the games at the stadium, so I, I and then I do think that with with the teams that we have coming in, um, you know, I, I think it's aligning well for us to to get a great crowd.
1: Is it safe to say, Jack, that you guys put a bid in to host the quarterfinal rounds after Dylan Malloy and Jack Kelly committed to Lars?
2: <laughs> i uh yeah, if I want to look smart I, I guess I would say yes uh, here's here 's how these these things work if if schools don 't submit bids, then championships aren 't held in your area uh you know the m c a can 't they can 't staff these events by themselves, so people have right. to step to the plate and in two thousand and thirteen, we had just come off hosting. Uh, the NCA hockey regional at the dunk. Yep, uh, It was a great yep. event. Union came through that regional and ended up winning the national championship. And, uh, and, and I felt like you know that th- there's an obligation for schools to do these kinds of things and bring events to your city, bring events to your state. So we were coming off a very successful one with hockey and when I was at Hofstra we had hosted the quarterfinals twice and it was a great event. I knew that it had not been on a college campus, at least in this format, in probably 20 years. Uh, and uh, So I thought, because there was a quarter-final hosted by Harvard a few years ago, but they did it at Gillette, so I thought that if we said that we were going to do it on a college campus, that there was a pretty good chance that we would get that bid, uh, because they do look awesome. at they go, they look at attendance, they look at all those things, but they also want to see how you run events, and because sure the the hockey one was so successful that I I thought it was a that it was a good opportunity for us, and um, and so it worked out. So you know we found this out in December of 2013, and. Uh, you know, uh, uh, literally on the flight home from Denver last year, that's when I started thinking that. You know, and never said it out loud, but just thought with everybody that we had coming back, if we yeah. could ever put, if we could ever put ourselves in a position where we had a first round home game, and then we were <laughs> playing to play in the stadium, what a great spot that would be. And um, and so uh, that's worked out. So
1: Jackie, being a Providence native growing up there obviously going to high school going to college there you know can you sort of describe the excitement excitement not only at brown but you know just in the providence community in general as it relates to you know their response to the success that the Brown Men's Cross Program is having this season.
2: Yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, great articles in the Providence Journal. One day there was an article that was on the front page of the Providence Journal, not in the sports section, on the front page, which was really neat. And uh, it's it's been great. I um, I was a senior in high school in 1985, and the national championship game between Syracuse and Hopkins was played at the stadium. I
1: and, was at that game, Jackie. Yep. Opie behind the back. Remember yep. a Behind the back. I the was there. Uh,
2: yep. And to think that, uh, you know, I, I think that we'll get so many kids, uh, the difference being that they're far more familiar with the game and being able to see games on TV that many of us would have been in, in the 80s, uh, that I think that's going to translate into, you know, so many more younger kids coming to the games. Uh, but it's been great. It's been great for the city. Like I said, it's been great for Rhode Island. Uh, the articles in the journal have been fantastic. And it's been great for our department. Uh, you know, a, a school year in an athletic department, if, in general terms of Labor Day to Memorial Day, it's a long run. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of weekends. It's a lot of nights. And uh, our staff really got a great shot in the arm this spring with the run that lacrosse has been on. And, uh, you know, you, you, the, the people who work in the ticket office and the marketing office, like, they, they, they work really hard regardless of what the game is, who it's against. Uh, but when they can come into work on Monday following that game against Yale, everybody's got a little bit more in their step. And, uh, and, the same, and you know what I mean? And the same thing today. So uh, it's, done, it's done tremendous things for us.
1: Well, I think that uh, you're as good as your leader, and clearly, since you've taken over as the athletic director at Brown, I can tell you from an alum's perspective, uh, and it, it's 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 just so exciting for us. It's it really is incredible. How about to draw just a quick parallel? Uh, you know, how does it compare to the city? The feel of the city, obviously, the sports a little different, but when Billy Donovan. And Rick Pitino were at PC, and they went to the Final Four, I think, in 1984 or 85. So 80, yeah, 80,
2: 80. So 87. I was a
1: sophomore. 87. Uh, yeah,
2: okay. Yeah, wild. Uh, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't have had. You know, now you have the perspective as, uh, you know, as uh, an adult, as an employee, as a as a resident, where there it was solely as a student. But you saw the same thing. You saw that uh everyone on campus was completely charged up over it yeah. and yeah. um you know and and it and it's one of those things that you know 30 years later uh people are talking about that all the time um you know the the going to the final four uh the, the win to get them to the final four so, and 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 I think there'll be times for for quite a while that you know the students here will be talking about the Yale game uh, the, you know, the the end of the Yale game, when the students climbed the fences and ran onto the field, it, it was great. I loved it. And, uh, you know, so we got asked about two minutes before, someone said, uh, one of the facility folks said, I-, I think they're coming over the fence, and we're not going to have enough <laughs> people to stop <laughs> so oh, awesome. I My only feel feeling at the time was on it or concern was just make sure that nobody goes near where the Yale bench is. You know because right. this has been a, this has been hard fought this is not going to be an yeah. easy final finish when this thing ends in the next two minutes for them, but uh there was a great picture in the Providence Journal the next day of Alec Tullett in a sea of students, and a lot of them are not athletes they were just brown students and That's uh awesome. and it's a great photo and so uh hopefully uh, you know 25 years down the road they're talking about how fun that was and uh because that really that, that I, it was a great win but it was it, it, that was a win for brown because it was um uh, it, it was not about athletes and not versus non-athletes it, it, it yeah. was just a brown win for all brown students it was great no question.
1: So, uh, last one. And I'm going to turn it over to RD. Uh, I remember when I was in school during the seven years that I attended college. Today, <laughs> that, uh, you know that, that the the uh, the rowing team won the national championship. How many other uh, sports at Brown have won a national championship? Yeah. Um, you know, seeing that if Brown can can and I don't want to put any pressure, I don't want to jinx anybody, you know, nobody's rooting for him, you know, harder than me. Uh, you know, but how many national championships? Women, women's, rowing
2: one, women's, women's rowing is women's women's
1: rowing has won seven. Wow.
2: Yeah. But that <laughs> well, yeah. They've won seven. Wow. And uh and 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 going up against some big time schools, you know that sport, and and you can see where that sport and lacrosse and some others, where all of a sudden, if a BCS school wants to add it, no matter how long everyone else has had the sport, you got a battle on your hands pretty quick. uh Schools like Texas recently added it, and all of a sudden they're very good, and so uh you do have your hands full, but when you have a tradition and uh like we do have in that in women's rowing when you have the tradition uh you know you you, you can remain nationally competitive but as schools add it obviously it you know there's more there's more people trying to do the same thing that's incredible uh, i'm going to get to that bcs
1: portion that you were talking about in a second but i kind of want to jump in and talk a little bit about the selection committee uh in your role other than representing the best team in the room and being the best looking, Jack. What was your <laughs> role in the selection
2: committee? You know, everyone's role. It's a it's a tough job. Uh, it, you know, you you and and I'm sure in certain years it becomes more challenging than in others. You're trying to find the best teams, and you're trying to look at it, um, you know, across the board from uh, what schools did. In late February to what they've done literally on the weekend of of the selection Um, and you've got to look at everything you've got to look at their RPI their strength of schedule what their win-loss record was um, who are their quality wins against do they have some losses that you know you would just shake your head at a little bit and uh, and and it becomes tough to differentiate some schools I mean Certainly, you can say at the beginning, all right, who, are the, who has an automatic bid? All right, let's put that right. aside. Right. Who doesn't have an automatic bid but, uh, but certainly has the resume that can put them in? And, and most of the time, they were schools that got upset in their uh, tournament. Uh, we, we, Brown was one of them. Uh, yeah. Then you get to, okay, now it looks like in whatever it might be, six for four spots, five yep. for three, you know two for one is pretty easy did they have do sure. they have any com- do they have any common opponent, opponents? Did they play each other? You could get from two to one fairly quick right to get from to get from six to four, you know where people you people have people to start people. saying, okay, yeah, school one beats school two, but school two beats school four, but school four beat school six and then school six beats school one. So now you're right, right back to where you were in the beginning, and you,
0: and, <laughs> right. and
2: so now you have to start looking at everything that could possibly separate uh, four yeah. from the other two, not one to get one in. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah totally.
2: And and those totally. were those were some of the things you have to look at. And I think there's always going to be criticism. Uh, I I think that from year to year, one of the criticisms is that. Uh, other factors are used or how important now is uh, a big win or a win in your conference tournament. I don't think that the criteria changes from year to year. I think the circumstances change from year to year. And if the circumstances are, all right, there's six schools for four spots, you might have to start looking at things that you didn't have to look at a year before. Right. Because because the year year before, if it really – you know, if the teams that are supposed to win their conference tournaments do – and uh, at the end of the day, you're down to two teams for one last uh, at-large bid. Well, then you don't have to go to some level of criteria that you would have to find yourself reviewing if it was six schools for four spots. And now you have right. to start looking. You know, now you have to start looking at other things that maybe were not looked at last year, and maybe don't have to be looked at next year.
1: It seemed like it seemed like uh, you know, given the dilemma that you. Very well
0: articulated,
1: it seemed like bad losses came into play maybe a
0: little bit more this year than other years because you're you're trying to find that differentiator Is that
2: exactly exactly and it and it came into play you know where where I believe the committee was consistent was they use that we used that same process to figure out who should be in. We used that same process to figure out who should play in the preliminary games uh and and it and it worked its way straight through now as we all know, and it would be no different than the basketball tournament after the fact it's easy to say it would be easy for someone who was critical of it to say, "Well, look what happened in this game. I told you that was a mistake or right, it would be right. or it would be or it would be easy for a committee to say." Well, see this is why we put that at large team in because they won their game, so that 's why we did it. but you know you you know you can 't do any of that uh you right. you pick the best teams you can, you try to set uh the brackets as best you can, and then we all know after that anybody can win and right. uh and what the first weekend showed was what. The last weekend of conference play and the conference tournament showed, exactly. which was similar to what March and April showed, was that you know that there was so much parity, uh, you know, really from like one to fifteen. You could even say maybe one to twenty. That yeah, it, it, it's a challenging process, and uh, you, you want to do the best you can, and you certainly don't want to do wrong by any institution. And I can understand where there's always going to be. Second guessing, I get it.
0: Right. So while we while we know there's always and you mentioned this, while we always know there's, there's going to be teams that are going to get screwed, and that's how the way they're going to feel. Uh, At and
1: I really didn't
0: think that there was one team that was like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I mean, you could you could argue Harvard and Rutgers, but then you could argue, uh, argue against Harvard and Rutgers, and I'm sure you guys obviously did that. But the one uh, you know hit scratcher that we thought was what was behind Marquette
1: being at the number six seed? Uh, it, it just seemed like that was a little awkward, given you know Loyola and Syracuse being seeded afterwards. Where where was the what was the
0: thought process behind Marquette?
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it. Uh, again, you you're trying to look at what everyone has done throughout the whole year, and you're not emphasizing anything uh that takes place in the last weekend even though that's what's on everybody's mind and if if you look uh at the strength of schedule and you look at the rpi uh and you look at where marquette fell they fell in the spot where they should be uh now it seems like a significant jump over the last weekend well i mean you know they beat villanova and they beat denver And so when they beat Villanova in Denver, they jumped significantly. Uh, It wasn't because uh, it it was, um, you know, the most recent win, and all of a sudden now that they beat Denver, that's carrying more weight. It didn't. It just, uh, you know, the numbers, those numbers fell out. They shook out like they did because they had two significant wins. And, yeah, the first one, I'm sure some people felt like, that game could determine which of those two schools was actually going to get in. So then you could, so then it's easy for someone, and I get it to say, well, how do they go from going from uh, maybe not even getting in if they lose to hosting? Well, I guess the answer is, they go from maybe not getting in if they lose, but they didn't lose. They won that game. <laughs> you know, there, so there, there's, the, there's the first part of the discussion. And, and then I, the second I, I, part is not only did they win that game, they won the next one. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, so I, I think they were seated where they were supposed to be, and then uh, quite a game.
1: Um, so,
2: it, quite a game that they ended up having with Carolina.
1: So Jackie, you had mentioned Villanova as you know one of the reasons that they made the jump. Obviously, we know beating a team like Denver is gonna you know, is gonna help springboard you. Yeah. But you look at Villanova, and the first part of their season, uh, they were after seven games, they were six and one with only a loss to Harvard. They had beaten Penn State, Drexel, Delaware, Penn, Bucknell, Fairfield. None of those teams were tournament teams. Right. And then the last half of the year. They finished on a, you know, three for seven, losing to Brown and, and Marquette and Denver and Marquette again. Right. Their wins were Georgetown horrendous, St. John's horrendous, Providence horrendous. No offense, I know you're an alum, but the fact is, is that why is that considered, uh, you know, a, a, a win? I, I just don't get it. I would have got it after, after, you know, March was done, but certainly not after the bulk of the work
2: yeah and 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 again i i uh I was just saying what I thought a lot of people said that whoever won that game um i don't know if the if the feeling was that whoever won that game was going to be in, but I think people felt like whoever won that game whoever lost that game was really now definitely out uh, now right, i I'm right. not saying that was the case, but I do think that's right. what some people felt uh um, so I don't know if it necessarily kept them out. Uh, by if it would have kept them out, uh, whoever were, were to lose that game. But I do think that both schools were in certainly in contention, and um, and uh, so with Marquette winning, uh, it was a win over a team that, since it was not contention, by the numbers it was a win that helped them significantly. And then again, obviously, okay. and then the next one was really what was what really bumped them up.
1: Yeah, sure, sense. sure. Let's get on to being an athletic director. Uh, lacrosse is growing at the youth and high school level exponentially, but obviously is it growing at the Division One level nearly as fast? Of course, it's growing, but certainly not exponentially. What are the challenges an AD has at their institution to, say, start a program? And is there a difference between a school like Michigan, a BCS program starting a lacrosse program, versus schools like Richmond, EU, High Point, and even Marquette, where they have a big time basketball program, but obviously no
2: football, right. uh,
1: between them starting a program.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that um, adding sports is always a challenge at schools. A- every school is under tremendous financial pressure um, to, with its athletics program, and uh, at all levels. Um, and when I say tremendous financial, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I mean, I don't want to give the impression that. That schools have problems running an athletic program, but as you know, athletic programs are expensive, and if you were going to add another sport, you're going to have to figure out where is that money going to come from. Um, I, I I credit the schools that have added it. Um, I think it's been great. I remember I, I was on the committee from 2006 to 2008, and one of those years, the game, the the championship weekend, was at Gillette, and I had heard it wasn't confirmed, but I had heard that a group of Michigan university uh, staff members and alums had come to the championship to see it and maybe that was their first step in trying to figure out do we add this Uh, but I think it's 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 obviously great for the sport when a school that's so visible adds it and it it was good and we felt the benefit of that because we had a home game against them this year now were we better than them of course we were Um, but if you asked the general fan in Rhode Island, if they looked at our schedule, let's say if they looked at our non-league schedule, which game would they want to go to? You would imagine some people would say, oh, God, we should go to the Michigan game. Right, right, right. Because, right. It's, because it's, it's Michigan. Uh, right. So I, I think that uh, Michigan adding it is great for the sport. And and as I said right there in that example, it shows where it helps us. Uh, Marquette was an interesting situation i don 't believe they had a spring sport at michigan i mean, 'm sorry at Marquette uh, and they 've been so successful over the years they 've been so successful over the years in basketball uh, that um, they, they probably felt that if we if we add a sport and do it right, we can be good and look what they 've done in a short period of time and then it 's good to see what high Point and Richmond have done um, you know, I I, I don't know. Will will who will the next school be? I I hope someone does add it. I I hope people continue to. I think it's good, it's great for the growth. And uh, but you're right, as you alluded to earlier, it's interesting that the pace at which it grows at the high school level is far greater than what it is at the college level.
1: Right, right, all right. So we're going to go into the last question. We do have uh, we do have uh, one actual final question for you, but this one is the last tough question. Memorial Day weekend, there's been a lot of talk about wanting to move the national championships off Memorial Day weekend, extend the season a couple weeks to start the season a little later, but also get a week between the Final Four and national championship games. Uh, Jack, take your AD hat off, and as a fan of the game, do you think we've outgrown Memorial Day weekend?
2: I I don't know if we've outgrown the the weekend. I I think the interesting discussion becomes – how do you get out of playing these games in February? That's the tough part. You know, I mean, you you look at uh, some of the crowds we had down the stretch, and I'm sure every school can say the same thing, but you look at some of the crowds we had down the stretch, and uh, you wonder what would they have been like if that was just a regular season weekend, uh, and we didn't have to play games in February? The games in February, I mean, it, it is it is difficult to generate interest from the standpoint that it's unbearably cold. Uh, right. We probably have a basketball or a hockey game that day. And a basketball or a hockey game that you would hope in mid-February or early March down the stretch is a game that puts you – because uh, you're trying to win a championship. Well, if you're going up against – a sport that's trying to win a championship down the stretch of their season that's playing inside in February, um, and you're right. going up against that in your first or second game of the year outside in February. It's just hard to generate any interest, uh, and that's beyond the injury factor and all those other things. So yeah, I I'd, I'd like to find a way, and I don't know what the answer is, and I would like to. I certainly want to be involved in the discussions. That you know, how do you try to move this to Early March, mid March. Um now in order to do that, that kind of gets us around to the question that you had asked. Right. I don't I don't know how you could do it and keep the championship on Memorial Day weekend <laughs> unless you go back to the days where everybody's playing on Wednesday and Saturday. And that just doesn't seem to work anymore. Right. So right. um you know, uh in in a perfect world, uh I I, I think uh you'd like to find some type of a solution um uh I, the championship atmosphere memorial day weekend is is outstanding and they've You know, uh, I'm sure from where we at the beginning of our our conversation, we talked about the championship game in 1985 right here at Brown Stadium. And now we've got to play in places that are far larger to accommodate the interest uh, and television uh, so that it can be produced the right way for the viewer. All great things. Um, But at the same time, got to find a way to not play these games in February.
1: Jack, let's get uh, let's get on to two real quick, uh, most important questions here. Uh, <laughs> these are going to be brief. Most uh, important. Who, who was counting? You can count practice. Who was the toughest player that you covered as a high school player? Well, I,
2: I was. I, I, some some of the names you're both going to know. Uh, Corey Gavitt was a teammate. Yep. And um, we had classic matchups with uh, Moses Brown, where both Bernie Bonanno, and Jamie Monroe went to school. Jamie, and those guys were fantastic. We had uh, every high school should be so fortunate to have big time battles. And uh, I was one of those guys. I was interesting. I wasn't big, but I was slow.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: now, <laughs> uh, one, man, and, one uh, name that you go ahead. And uh, But uh, it's been great to see, uh, you know, to see Jamie on TV doing a game and Bernie here all the time, so supportive of Brown and uh, guys that uh, we were able to go up against all the time a long, long time ago.
1: Well, I just got a text from Toby Boucher saying, does Jack remember just how fast I was. How come he didn't mention my name? Toby Bousher, <laughs> a year older
2: than me. and uh, yeah. As you know, and a great one, right? A great one.
1: Yeah, a great one. One of the best. One of the, one best.
2: the best. So, uh, yeah, to be able to uh, play in those games against, uh, you know, in, in that rivalry and then 25 years later be able to come to Brown has been has been great. Been great.
1: How about uh, the second part of that question, the best guy that you covered while you were in college?
2: So, Ryan, uh when i in 1989 was the first time that providence ever played brown and uh, okay. a great a great thing for providence because uh clearly um you know to be able to see the success over the years that brown had uh was fantastic and then to be able to play now the game was not close but it was a great step for providence college they had a lanky freshman from Connecticut grounded. Yeah, the guy was just a terror. Uh, 44. I don't know. Most of us, we only saw the back of the jersey. Uh, uh, yeah, you are the, you are the man, Jack. You are the man. I knew I could depend on you. Uh, so, uh, big, we- yeah, big weekend coming up in Providence.
1: That's great. That's great. So, Jack, big weekend coming in Providence, but who in your brackets, who you got winning the national championship, Jack?
2: Well, you know, we you know, if you work at a college, you can't have a bracket, as you, That's as right. I'm sure you know. Uh, yeah. But uh, it would it would be nice to see the Brown Bears keep this roll. Yeah, going. Jack. Let's uh, go. So. And then great great news last night with the Torton, uh list of finalists. It's fantastic, and um, great job that Lars Tiffany's done all year. A, a teammate there, a teammate there of that lanky number 44. Yeah and uh yeah he he's done a tremendous job i like, it it's been a great spring and and the shot in the arm that
1: lacrosse has provided uh to the department's been fantastic yeah i think the i think the brown success has has reignited interest in the sport and fueled everybody that Has it fueled everybody's arguments that that have had a problem with the pace of the game? So let's hope that they can get it done this weekend. I know those guys aren't looking past the first play, and uh, you know, I'm really, really excited to watch it. Uh, So, Jack, you are the man, I really appreciate the time. And appreciate everything that you're doing for Brown Athletics and Brown University, just in general. Yeah,
2: Andy and Ryan, th- thanks for having me on, and uh, I loved listening last week on uh, on the on the matchups and and every and the detail that you went into on every one of those games. Uh, it was great to listen and, listen to, and uh, the work that you put into that to prepare it for for the show is is uh, much appreciated. I really enjoyed this.
1: I I I wasn't too off with the assessment of the Hopkins Brown game. No, you
2: weren't. You weren't at all.
1: <laughs> just show, it goes
2: to show just how smart
1: you are. Well, if I, if, I had, if I had done that in college, it would have maybe been four and a half years instead of seven. <laughs> I know the Brown community is appreciative that you were around as long as you were. <laughs> at least a, at least a select group, that's for sure. All right, well, Jack. Go it, are crushing it. Thanks so much, Jack. Guys, You're thanks sure. for having me on. Make sure you tune in this Saturday on ESPNU where Brown will host the quarterfinals. Uh, and if you're a coach or a parent with kids who play lacrosse in the New England area, make sure you make the trip to Providence. These games are going to be incredible. Maryland takes on Syracuse at 12 p.m. And A.T.
0: and Jacks Brown University takes on Navy at 2.30. When we come back, A.T. and I will wrap up the show and give our picks for the weekend. Maximize your comfort. Stay.
1: but i don't need you and you should know that baby it take a miracle for you to really try and change me and i feel sorry for the look on your
0: face Stay. welcome back to the show uh what an interview um by jack hayes uh athletic director at brown university um you know clearly the guy is a stud uh what foresight him to apply for the quarterfinals at in 2013 to get awarded them in 2016 when brown couldn't be higher on this you know lacrosse spectrum uh for him to have that foresight and i know he wanted to he, you know with his experience at hofstra and having the quarterfinals there he's like this is going to be great for us to bring it to providence uh a huge builder for us uh in our athletic department um you know Clearly, um, it it paid off and paid off big and probably will be the reason why Brown beats Navy because they got another home field advantage with one of the best Brown teams uh, in the history of uh, Brown lacrosse. What are yeah, your
1: thoughts? Br- just Brown athletics are in the best position they've ever been in with Jack Hayes. Thank God he's young. So hopefully he'll be there for the rest of his career. But just speaking with the guy, um, you know, what a down to earth, cool. Uh, I can't imagine how great it would be to be a coach in the athletic department and have Jack Hayes be your boss. Right. You know, he is about as humble and unimpressed with himself as you can find. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, let's hope it doesn't happen for everybody who roots for Brown Athletics. But let's hope it happens for Jack and and his family. You know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Jack Hayes become the athletic director at a BCS school at some point down the road. Because wow, is he well spoken and in the know? And
0: uh, he's again, involved. He's always he's involved. involved. He just
1: gets it. He gets it. He's cool. He interacts with everybody. He's unimpressed with himself. You know, he's the the unbelievable people person in a people person business. So easy to see why Brown lacrosse is having success. And, um, you know, I just hope selfishly that that Jack and Lars <laughs> stay at Brown right. for the rest of their careers. But um, we're re- really lucky to have
0: them. NCAA tournament quarterfinals. We have our picks and Las Vegas Lions came out with their lines for the weekend. A.T. Mm-hmm. We have four games. Uh, we have out of those four games, uh, we have eight teams and only five are seated. Means three unseated teams. One last weekend. First up on the docket, number one Maryland. They're the home team. It's in Providence against the number eight seeded team, Syracuse. They are favored. Maryland is favored by two. The over under is twenty one goals. Who do you got here, At?
1: You know this is a this is a tough tough
0: game to pick
1: because I picked Syracuse to up set Maryland in my in my uh, track Brack sheets in my bracket you know but after watching those games last weekend seeing Syracuse struggle against Albany seeing Maryland you know sort of a systematic domination of Quinnipiac which you know let's face it is is not the same opponent that Albany is you can't help but be impressed with how easy it seems that Maryland is able to go through the game and and just sort of casually dictate the outcome dramatically in their favor. You marry that up with Austin Henningsen being able to, I believe, negate any advantage at the faceoff X that Syracuse has been used to having all year. They've got, I think, attacks that are very very similar although man for man I, I would probably give the advantage to Maryland here slightly I think that Maryland's midfield group is deeper and more dangerous overall than Syracuse's while while Maryland may not have a guy as you know, dynamic as Sergio Salcido at the midfield I think their entire first six are are more interchangeable and better overall than Syracuse's while Syracuse's defense is playing the best that it's played, you know, down the last quarter of the season, they aren't as good as Maryland's defense. And so I like Maryland to win this game going against my bracket pick. Um, and, and these guys at LVL are very good because I can see Maryland. Maryland doesn't really blow out great teams like this. So. I I'm gonna I'm gonna take Maryland. I'm gonna go against what I picked in the past just based on these outcomes of the last two weeks. So I I've got Maryland to win this game and I'm gonna say it's gonna be about twelve to nine, which again is right on the <laughs> 21 uh, So, mental. so <laughs> I I you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take the under here. I've got Maryland and the under, and I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh eleven to
0: eight then. Uh, Oh, that's your number. (laughs) 11 to 8. 11 to 8. That would have been my score. I do have Maryland covering here. I have Maryland winning. uh, And I'm glad that my bracket is going to be better than yours. Um, Yep. (laughs) So I've got Maryland here. I've got them winning by more than two. And I also have the under because 11 to 8 has been my score with Maryland all season long. Uh, Notre Dame. Uh, they have their home team. They're the number three seed, uh, but they play out in Columbus, which is pretty much a home game for them anyway. Uh, they'll play Carolina. They are favored by one and a half. The over-under is 20 and a half points. What do you got here, A.T.?
1: This is a really interesting game, and I believe it sets up well for Notre Dame after choking down the stretch by being up, I think it was 16 to 11. over. Carolina. Are you going against your bracket again? Uh, no, I don't know for sure yet. I'm talking myself <laughs> into a position. Uh, I think it sets up well for Notre Dame, you know, with the emergence of some other players outside of Kavanaugh and Perkovic. You know, we know Mikey Wins a player. Certainly Ryder Garnsey is scary with the ball and his stick, although I do think that some of his decisions and some of his um, lack of discipline as a shooter can prematurely, End possessions for Maryland. He is a scary, scary for Notre player. Dame. For Notre Dame. For Notre Dame. I'm sorry for Notre Dame. Um, you know, Stephen Kelly. He got the job done statistically against Notre Dame last time, but wasn't winning. I'm, I'm sorry. He, he, he wasn't winning the draws. He was kind of wheeling out ground balls. Now he did beat him. I think eight out of eleven in the fourth quarter, including sticking that Overheim bomb that my son still can't get over on the run, uh, and I just I want Carolina to win. So I think it's going to be a close game. I, I, I'm going to take Carolina here. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to take Carolina to cover. I'm not sure they win the game. I really hope they do, but I just think that um, one and a half, I think, is too much. So I'm going to take – I got Carolina in this game, and I am going to take the over – at 20.5 here, Um, which, again, is scary. But I'm going to take Carolina in the over.
0: I'm taking Notre Dame here. I think that payback's a bitch, and I think that Notre Dame puts it up. I think they're going to score goals on Carolina. Mm -hmm. I think that between finley and bones i think it's going to be more or less a 50 50 game at the faceoff off x yeah um but i see a lot more goals to the notre dame side than i do in the carolina side i do see a big run by carolina but not enough to put them back into this game uh, so i got notre dame by two or more and i have the over as well in this one brown at home at home they're at home they're the home team at home uh, they're yes. the number five seed. They are favored by three and a half goals against the boys from Annapolis, uh, the Naval Academy. Uh, the over/under here is twenty-two and a half. What do you got here?
1: I like Brown in this. I think Navy is going to. I think Navy is going to compete. They're going to. They're going to be. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a closer game in the first half than Brown Hopkins. I, I think that. Um, but Navy, I think in the end is just going to. They're going to struggle because John Connors played a great game against Yale and more than earned his in-your-face player of the week that you gave him this week. I just I just think that the Brown offense is going to get to him, and once it gets to him, I think the floodgates are going to open. Um, I, I think Brown wins the middle of the field at the X. I think that Jack Kelly plays his regular phenomenal game, and I think that Brown just has – too many weapons for Navy to match up against. You know, I, I just think there's too many players on Brown that can score four goals. And I think that Navy doesn't have enough players to cover all of those guys, and I think they're gonna end up playing too much defense because Kelly's gonna have some backbreaking saves and the floodgates are gonna open. I got I got Brown covering minus three and a half, and I like the over 22 five i can see it being about 16 to 6 16 to 7 we'll say 16 to 7 since i'm really good with numbers (laughs)
0: uh i have brown covering the three and a half i think it's going to be more or less the same story um with the hopkins game in fact i think it's almost going to be identical i've got it like a 15 10 type of game uh i think the hopkins brown was 16 11 i think um but i've got the over as well and I have Brown covering three and a half. Loyola, they are the seven seed versus Towson, the in what is it the Charles Street rivalry? But it's not really because Towson's in Towson. Um, uh, but you've got a pick 'em here, at Towers. But Loyola is slightly favored in the money line. Twenty is the over under. This is a, this is an interesting one for me. But what do you got here?
1: I got Loyola in this game. I think that Towson's had a great run. But I just think that Charlie Toomey and his staff has Loyola playing at a championship caliber level. I think they're more complete than Towson is. I think as good as Tyler White is playing, I think Jake Stover's playing every bit as well, if not better. I think that Graham Savio's lack of success against Duke will be drastically different this game against Towson. So I think that Loyola's going to control most of the draws in this game. While Towson has great team defense, I think they're going to struggle to match up with Pat Spencer, and eventually his consistent decision-making is going to allow Loyola to get a two- or three-goal cushion and sort of maintain that over the course of the game. While Towson did beat them in the regular season, I think it was 10-8, that was the first time in a long time that Towson had beaten Loyola and I think that that dynamic actually helps Loyola in this game so I've got Loyola winning outright and I got the game being about 13 to 8 Loyola with the margin of, of five goals really being a direct result of Towson overextending at the game and Loyola getting a couple of layups but I see it being a two or three goal game sort of throughout the whole game but Loyola pulling away to cover and to manage covering the over here so I got Loyola and the over uh,
0: I agree with this I got Loyola I also have the over but I have Loyola Loyola's on a revenge tour first Duke now revenge a loss to Towson earlier this year the midweek game, the game. I mean this is revenge tour one-on-one and uh so you know again one of the hardest things to do uh, in all of sports is to beat the same team twice in the same season. Uh, so I've got uh, Loyola here, and I have a, a similar score. I think it's probably going to be more of like a, a 12-9 or 11-8, uh, as I like to say <laughs> But 11-8 puts me at the under. So I got uh, I got like a 12-9 uh, type of game here. So I've got the over on 20. I've got 12-9. AT, last part of the two-part podcast this week, we finish with hashtag ass towers. This is the first time we've ever done hashtag ass towers after our picks. Um,
1: please, no needle neither question,
0: please. No stiletto no this time. No stiletto. I only have one question, and it's from our boy, Jim Fenzel, jimfenzelart.com. I can count on Jim. <laughs> He's got one question for you, and it's sure. about golden tea. Oh, I, I feel finally feel normal throughout this podcast. <laughs> Palms or thumbs, AT? Uh,
1: well, I like the simplicity of the question, and normally our listeners would probably expect a simple answer, but there's no simple answer there, Jim. Okay, <laughs> it all depends on the elevation that we're either hitting the ball to or from. Uh, you have to consider when, of course, as any pro golfer has to consider when they hit their shots. Um, I have a unique set of Golden Tee clubs that I <laughs> customly built using my Golden Tee app on my phone. Yes, it does exist and yes, I've had it. Um, so, the, the, the question is, it's always thumbs on the putts, always. Um, my drives are almost always palms. My approach shots really depend on what I'm looking at. You know, if I'm hitting my uh, my woods or my five iron, that's usually going to be palms. Um, I don't have a six iron in my bag because I opted for another wedge. So I've got seven, eight, nine and wedges. My high irons are almost always thumbs. Um, You know, but again, each shot presents a challenge that's independent of the other shots. And so I don't brand myself one specifically, but generally speaking, my longer shots are always going to be palms and my, uh, my shorter, my putts will be, uh, will be thumbs.
0: Uh, there you have it, Jim. Uh, I knew it was going to be small subtlety city uh, there on that answer, uh, but that's all for our show for this week. Uh, as always subscribe to us on iTunes. You can check us out on Twitter at in your face, lax. Um, enjoy the weekend of lacrosse. Keep an eye out on all more job openings. Um, and as always, we'll be on the flip side of the weekend with a review. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for the listen. Maximize your comfort.